2: What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number, Brandon. 158, Jimmy. I'm Jimmy kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, as you just heard, Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. Brandon, the Eagles are 3-7-1. I'm good, though. Are you good? Jimmy, uh, I'm doing okay. I'm no Calvin Johnson, but I'm doing okay. <laughs> well, who is? If you said, I'm no Calvin Johnson, I would have taken that personally and had the best podcast ever today, but you missed out
1: on that opportunity. Uh, anything you want to get to before we get going? Well, what's there to talk about, really? There's nothing, there's nothing <laughs> too new going on with the Eagles. You know, nothing really newsworthy we have to talk about here. Quick show, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're talking about Will Parks getting cut, then uh,
2: <laughs> we have a lot to talk about, I guess. I mean, we, we do have a lot to talk about. Uh, we'll get to some news, some guys coming back from injury, who cares? Uh, we'll talk about Doug, Howie, Carson Wentz and their futures with the team, and so on and so forth, the state of the NFC East, blah,
1: blah, 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 blah. But before we get to all that, our sponsor. Oh, Jimmy, I forgot. Thank you. (laughs) I totally forgot that. A really good job. I mean, Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, folks, that's right. You can get yourself some Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, local product, uh, great snack by going to RighteousFelon.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Dan Klausner, who I referenced, Jimmy, in your appearance on the podcast this week, thank you for coming on. Of course. Dropping some knowledge and some perspective for the national audience. Uh, Dan Klausner works for Righteous Felon. He is a BGN alumnus. And uh, yeah, so help support where he works for as well. That's a, a nice little added bonus. A lot of you might not know Dan Klausner, but if you don't, you should. Righteousfelon.com, discount code BGN15. Uh, Jimmy, you have invented on this podcast the wheel of badness. Okay. And, and I wanted to incorporate that this week into some of the the news stuff we have at the top of the show with will parks getting waived by the eagles on tuesday and shortly before we're recording this podcast wednesday he was claimed by the team that he originally was with who drafted him the denver broncos but the eagles waived him
2: why don't we spin the wheel why don't we spin the wheel of badness and we'll see what it tells us that we should talk about oh true Oh, okay. So it says we should talk about all the players that the Eagles have cut in season that they added to the team that year. Oh, that's really convenient and uh, topical. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh, just a total coincidence that uh, that uh, you brought up the Will Parks point before we spun the wheel of uh, of badness. But hey, things just happen to work out for us there. So Bo Wolf of the Athletic and from podcast friend of the po- podcast friend of the podcast uh, Birds with Friends, he tweeted out a list which I am now pulling up here. I don't know if you have yours handy, but a lot of uh, signings that the Eagles have. made. where is that? How far down it? When did he tweet that? Oh, here we go. Okay, so he, <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he rattled off a list of players that the Eagles signed and what their ultimate outcomes were. Should we just read the whole thing? Let's take turns reading them. You start with Corey
1: Nelson. Go ahead. So Corey Nelson, March 2018. This starts at, by the way. Important to note this, this is all after the Super Bowl. Corey Nelson released during roster cutdowns. Before that, even, actually. Haloti Nada, underwhelmed in 13 games with 17 total tackles. He was, not, he was not a good player for the Eagles. Great career, bad for the Eagles. Paul Warlow injured before training camp, and he never played a game for the team, despite multiple stints with the Eagles. Uh,
2: Leroy Reynolds, Bo says he, plays, he played well on special teams for one season.
0: Eh, I don't know if that I'd is. sign on
1: for that, but go ahead. Malik Jackson, injured in his first game of was his- First season with the Eagles. And he's playing well this year. Yeah, overpaid, but playing okay.
2: Uh, lj Fort released after four games. Actually, they did find a good player in free agency on that. And they wound up cutting him as a a way to um, salvage a compensatory pick. But he's turned out to be a good player for the Ravens. So they actually did sign a good player, but
1: they didn't know it. And they
2: released him after four games.
1: And they didn't actually have to cut him that soon. Like they could have cut him like yes. five weeks later and still gotten the comp pick. And that would have been relevant because and they had linebacker injuries like right after they cut him. And by then they might have f- figured out that he was actually okay and they wouldn't
2: uh-huh. have cut him. And clearly he'd be their best linebacker right now over anyone, but yep. by by far, over anyone on the roster. Your turn. Andrew Sandejo. <laughs> <laughs> released
1: after nine games and a disaster. Zach Brown released after six games. Uh, Orlando Scandrick, <laughs> what more can you say?
2: Yeah, uh, Javon Hargrave. Or Javon Hargrave underperforming in year one. I would say under underperforming is putting it kind or kindly in year one of a three year thirty nine million dollar contract. Jatavis Brown retired before
1: this season, and he was bad last year. Did we ever see him at all? In tra- I guess we didn't. He retired before training camp, right? He. I think he was with the team in the. Like their offseason program for a little bit, but yeah, before training him.
2: Nickel Roby Coleman having a season with more downs than ups
1: as the nickel corner. Again, he puts it kind he's, he's kind to Nickel Roby Coleman there. And then we finish the list with Will Parks, although I will add in here, I feel like it should be added, you know, trading a, what's going to be, Jimmy, a very high fourth round pick <laughs> yes. for Bernard Avery, who, by the way, has played zero defensive snaps in his last two games. It's going to be close to a top.
2: 100 pick it'll be just on the other side of 100 and also like those picks are pretty valuable too because like it'll be one of the first picks on day three of the draft uh this is assuming of course the eagles don't win the division and they're picking somewhere in like the top five to ten or whatever but that'll be one of the first picks uh on day three and they'll have plenty of time to sort of get their heads together and decide what they want to do with that pick whether they trade uh trade out trade up or just make the pick they can really kind of have a a clear game plan for day three so that's an important pick that they're going to be missing out on
1: yeah and the Eagles could be picking as high as the third overall pick like that's that's the ceiling they they can't get above the Jags or the Jets those teams are going to be top two but they could be picking as high as number three overall they're currently six after week 12 Um, but as for the the Parks release or waving Jimmy uh, they weren't playing him it seemed like my read on that is that, like, they had kind of you had, – you had talked about before the season how, you know, you thought he was going to have this big role. And I thought yeah. he was going to have this big role. Alas, he did not. He wasn't really playing much at all. And I'm guessing, like, he kind of – we had heard before the trade deadline that they were shopping him. It seemed like he kind of wanted more playing time and was pushing for that, and they weren't giving it to him. So I'm, I'm thinking, like, maybe they he asked them to cut him. Yeah,
2: during training camp, like, it was clear to me anyway that he was sort of slated to have a big role because he was splitting – nickel reps with nickel Roby Coleman. So they like, sometimes they'd be in just a more traditional nickel look with Roby Coleman. And then other times they played him as the big nickel, but they were really getting a very similar number of snaps uh, with the first team offense. And his role didn't translate. His training camp role didn't translate to the regular season. He did get hurt. So that probably affected him to some degree, but uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, when, when it got, when it got out that he was sort of on the quote unquote, uh, Trade block uh, during the season. A lot of fans were like were mad <laughs> like about that. Like uh, Will Parks kind of built up a uh, a little bit of a strong fan base in a weird way uh, in the short amount of time he was here. But yeah, so not a huge surprise that they let him go, seeing as they were trying to get anything for him at the trade deadline. But uh, you know, certainly that list that Bo put together is very eye opening in terms of um, you know the, the misses that they've had. And I think like you can look at. Those players individually and go, okay, well, they didn't matter. They're just kind of filling in roster spots and, you know, they're just, you know, role players or back of the roster guys. But I think part of the problem is that they're signing so many of those guys when those spots could be filled by guys that they drafted who can maybe develop into players down the line as opposed to these sort of known quantity vet, known like that they're known not good players anymore. They, they, you know that like they have a certain ceiling which isn't high at all and they wound up cutting those guys as opposed to rookies that might have
1: stuck around a little longer or at least find someone who's serviceable right even like find just a guy in there like they haven't been able to do that like all these guys are getting cut like they can't even (laughs) stick at all it's like it's like a disaster they can't
2: even clear a very
1: low bar is kind of what you're saying yeah right and then like forget about impact like an actual like impact signing The, the closest thing from that list would be malik jackson who again is like but then like, that's silly because then they paid Javon Hargrave all this money. And it's like, so that it kind of, it's like the, the Dallas Goddard pick when you have Zach Ertz. It's like you're limiting his impact when you're putting him behind, you know, already a good player for you. Like, it's just, so all this is to say. Sorry, it's sort of the difference
2: between being a really good team and not being a really good team. Cause you look at like the free agent acquisitions that they made in 2017 where Bo notes in the tweet too. Like, he, he notes Chris Long and Patrick Robinson to, players that they sort of picked up that were cheap and wound up being like really solid contributors like Patrick Robinson was arguably one of the top slot corners in the league that year uh, Chris Long definitely gave them a boost as a pass rusher and you if you want to even throw other guys in there like Garrett Blunt, um, some others that are just escaping me right now but they hit on those guys during the Super Bowl year and then ever since like Nada, like not literally. Hello, Nada, but also Nada in terms of like everyone
1: else that they tried to sign. They've they've all been they've all been bad signings. Yeah, so it's not just like the team hasn't been able to draft, although that's part of it. Like they can't, they're not doing so well on the pro personal side either. Travis Fulgham exception aside, I suppose. So we spent like a billion hours here talking about Will Parks. The other (laughs) news is that Zach Ertz is back. Which does anyone care? Like this idea that like he's going to help the offense too. I mean, he was bad. Richard Rogers has been better, not to say like Richard Rogers is actually good or whatever, but I mean, he's been much more efficient than when Zach Ertz was on the field. I did a radio hit to flex uh, for
2: a uh, Green Bay area radio station. And they asked me something like (laughs) what, what, you know, what skill position players are doing anything for the Eagles? Uh, Richard Rogers was the third name that I said. (laughs) And then like, I kind of stopped myself and laughed and I said, that must sound ridiculous to Packers fans because he played for the Packers for like four years. So I'm like, that must sound ridiculous to your listeners right now that he's like the third guy that came out of my mouth. Um, but like, really is like, he's been sort of like, where would you rank him in terms of like their production wise, in terms of like their skill position players? I would put him two behind Fulham. <laughs> Well well, maybe Miles Sanders, because he did have Miles Sanders had some like long runs
1: and stuff. Yeah, but, I was thinking pass catchers specifically. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right, yeah.
2: Yeah, but I would agree, probably well, maybe Dallas Goddard, but uh but yeah, I mean True. he was like he was like the third he was like the third or fourth guy that I mentioned and I realized oh he played for the Packers, so that's gonna sound ridiculous to them. But <laughs> but uh it's sort of been the reality, the sad reality of this team that uh Richard Rodgers uh probably ignored a bit by opposing defenses. Uh but you know, credit credit to him. He has put up Good production. And, um you know, obviously made a really nice catch on that Hail Mary. Anyway, we're getting off track here. Ertz is back. Again, like you said, who cares? Uh J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is back. Is he going to be inactive
1: on Sunday again, do you think? Another healthy scratch for him? He was in week 11, week 10, week 10, before he went on the COVID list. And if this team is going to play Aushan Jeffrey- Freaking 35 snaps. (laughs) A week after he played five and had no juice and was terrible during them against the Browns, the Eagles decided, you know what? We need more Ashawn Jeffrey. That'll fix the offense. Not only that, we're also going to play him on the field at the expense of Travis Fulgham, who was leading the NFL and receiving for four weeks. So stupid. So, with that in mind, yes, I fully expect JJ to be a healthy scratch. Or, I mean, if he's active, he's not going to play. Who
2: uh, would win in a foot race?
1: I'll, 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 really, really quickly I'll just
2: go through and you tell me we'll rapid fire uh Alshon Jeffrey or Jason Kelsey Kelsey yeah Alshon Jeffrey or Greg Ward <laughs> Greg kidding, Ward <laughs> Alshon Jeffrey or Jordan Mailata Mailata easy Alshon Jeffrey
1: or Nate Herbig <laughs> I think Nate Herbig can get going and kind of like I'll give you know. on the edge on that one but I mean okay.
2: the point is he's super slow I mean it's crazy that he's getting any kind of playing time at all. Uh, he was already slow. We already knew that. That wasn't his game to begin with. But, I mean, it's just no effort for cornerbacks to stick with him. I can't believe he even caught two passes last game, but it was his first two of the season. But, yeah, I mean, the idea that he's getting snaps so, over. I mean, the, the idea to me that he's even active on game day is nuts. Like, I understand if you want to keep him on the roster with the intent of maybe um, hitting him with a June 1 release during the offseason, which allows you to put off some of the cap hit and to, um, 2022, as opposed to taking the full brunt of it in 2021. Fine. But like, if you, so if you're just going to keep him on the roster for that purpose, then all right. But like, he shouldn't be dressing like he's at a minimum, like put Quest Watkins in there and let him at least stand on the sideline and be engaged during regular season game, which he hasn't done much of than having Alshon Jeffrey, not only like dress, but as you said, play 35 snaps, many of which were, uh, he was on the field. While Travis Fulgham was standing
1: on the sideline, which to me is just pure insanity. The only like justification, and it's not actually one, but the only thing you could say is like they're hoping that he somehow looks good and they can somehow trade him after this year. Like that's the only logic I can see, but that's so insane. Even then, there's no
2: way because like his his salary next year
1: alone, I
2: think is like twelve million dollars. It's over. I think it's over twelve million dollars. Obviously, nobody's trading for that salary like there's no way so and the Eagles are going to cut
1: him everyone knows they're going to cut him like they (laughs) have to but like the Eagles know nobody's trading for that salary right it's already happened like this whole year they've tried to do it all this time they've already been there so that's not happening and then the other thing is uh Lane Johnson to injured reserve as expected uh we didn't talk about it last week's show because the news came out um afterwards that he you know he suffered that injury um ankle injury. He, he said his ankle collapsed, which doesn't really sound great. Doesn't sound good. And by and, the way, and they they can't get out of his contract until twenty twenty three, realistically, by the way. Not that, you know, hopefully they don't have to, but I'm just saying, like, if Lane can't play anymore, like down the road, you know, he's thirty now, he'll be thirty one, I think, next season, like not not a great situation. Yeah, he got asked, um, do you think this is gonna linger for the rest of your career?
2: I mean, his answer was basically like Maybe <laughs> it's like I don't know. I don't know. He didn't. didn't have it. He didn't have, have anything like he did. A lot of times, players will just go now. Nah, I'll be fine. But uh, he was pretty honest, and he's just like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So that's not great. And like he and to tell you, like to sort of like give an idea of how bad this season is going, like he was like it, every year. Like I do, like the ten most important players or the the ten players that the Eagles can least afford to uh, lose to injury, and he was two behind uh, Carson Wentz. And, and I still believe that he's the second most important player on the team. And when he went down, the rea- or when he was lost for when he said he was lost for the season, like there was no reaction from the fan base whatsoever. I was just like who cares? You know, so like like when you lose your second most important player, would you have him number two or do you have somebody else like like Fletcher Cox or something like that ahead of him? I don't know, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Who cares? So but like that, that's just kind of the point being there that like you know, you lose a super important player. And, like, you look at the record that they have with him and without him, and it's a pretty drastic difference. And, again, like, nobody cared. So that, like, goes to say, like, how
1: how much anyone cares about this team getting wins or losses going forward. So it was Matt Pryor right tackle against the Seahawks, but Jack Driscoll was apparently taking right tackle, first team right tackle reps in practice today and Wednesday. So maybe he'll actually get the start against the Packers. We'll see about that. That would be good to see you know a, a young guy with potential actually it's playing a clear logical move for sure like jordan, like going to back to jordan milata at left tackle against the seahawks and oh by <laughs> right. the way he actually did played pretty well or actually yeah. at least at least well enough to be out there and be like oh you know this is worth evaluating um so any leftover thoughts from the seahawks game jimmy now did we i actually mean, learn anything
2: it was the only thing that i'll point out which we've pointed out all season is they're not only bad they're boring and this seahawks team has played Wildly entertaining games all season long. And the Eagles even managed uh, to turn Seahawks game into a, a very, very boring
1: game to watch. I think this game, not that it's new, but Carson was so bad in this game, Jimmy, like the inaccuracy, which I thought had kind of gone away a little bit like that wasn't the biggest issue necessarily against the Browns. But it was back here. Like, there's some, just the first series alone. Like, you look at that play, and, and uh, our, our good friend Brian Balding or Baldy did a good job of breaking this down on Twitter. But, um, like, the first play, Richard Rogers, he's sitting down there, and like, Wentz just stares at him and gets out the ball late instead of like throwing with anticipation and you're hitting him. It's first and five. Like, how pathetic is that? He goes open the game. It's first and five. They couldn't get a first down to save their lives the past couple weeks, <laughs> and they can't even get a first down on first and five when it's like, This is when your best play should be here. You know, let's let's start this thing off on the right note. So Carson Wentz immediately out of sync. Then he has Greg Ward like wide open on a slant on second down, and he just throws wide of him. And it's like, what what is happening here? Like these are like basic throws, and it drives me insane when we're having this talk about like how oh Doug Peterson holding Carson Wentz back or whatever. And again, I'm not trying to absolve Doug. I'm not. I'm really not trying to do that. I'm not trying to make it one thing over the other, but. I just don't know how you can look at Carson Wentz missing layups like you asked Doug Peterson about earlier this year and be like, yeah, you know what? The scheme is the problem. The quarterback is fine. No, the quarterback is not fine. He's terrible. The accuracy is horrible. We've been seeing it since training camp. We talked about it on this podcast feed. Jimmy, Carson Wentz ranks second to last among all quarterbacks in on-target throw percentage this year. Only Drew Locke is worse. That metric comes from pro football reference. Like At a very basic level, this is what it boils down to for me. Like, Carson Wentz is not actually good at throwing a football. Like, do you get what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the very essential level. Like, it's not it's not a skill he has. Like He's not good at taking the football, as I'm honing <laughs> it right now and gesturing it, and, like, getting it to the place he needs to be. Like, he's he can't do that right now. And It's a huge problem. He's He's been the biggest problem this season. Like, as you said, like, I'm not you're,
2: – you're not, like – The biggest problem. You're not, not like, a problem. Doug, in any way. But I, I think – at the same time, though, really, the offense uh, as a whole has really just been a disaster. Like once has been bad. I think Doug's really had a bad season, too. He's been a bad play caller. Uh, he's been out-schemed all season long by opposing defenses. Uh, the offensive line, as we've noted, has, you know, has had 10 different... First of all, it's crazy that they've had 10 different uh, starting combinations in 11 games. So, you know, that's not something to just sort of brush off. Like, that's a big deal. And the of from players still just, you know, aren't very good. So everything across the board has been bad.
1: But I fully agree with you that the biggest problem has been the quarterback. And the quarterback is getting paid $128 million. He's the guy that's supposed to, like, rise above. And, again, my key point with Carson this year has been it's not like anyone's expecting him to be elite this season. You know, with his circumstance Mm and no one's asking him to be an MVP candidate or top even like maybe top ten. Like he should at least be top twenty, at the very, very least. Like he should be somewhat level of competency. Like there should be a good game mixed in here. He really hasn't like had a good game this year. I mean, maybe you can point to like the Steelers game, which was a loss still, by the way. Like he hasn't. Raven's game was
2: okay, I guess, too.
1: Yeah, but even then, like, you're kind of stretching for those. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're yeah. not, it's yeah. not like a bona fide, just like, oh, that was a really good game. No yes. doubt about it. Like, yes. Like, and, and the, the bad is way outweighed the good. So, um, pretty concerning to me. And, uh, I just, what are we doing at this point? Why is he still in the lineup? There's no, There, I think, my honestly the way I look at it at this point if you are a Carson Wentz detractor you should want to keep seeing him out there because he's only getting worse he's not getting any better by continuing to be out there like he's not playing through this and getting better like if you don't like Carson Wentz you should be happy he's playing like if you actually like Carson Wentz you should want to see him benched because maybe that could actually kind of help him get back on track like I I just don't want I don't see what there is to benefit at this point and I, I don't I don't know how you justify it to the team. Doug talks about like sending a message like we talked about before last week. Like I, I just don't – what is Carson Wentz doing to deserve to be out there? It's just the contract. The other the point that I that you made, I don't remember if it was the last show or two shows ago,
2: just the fact that they could be picking in the uh, top five of the draft. And when you're there, you have to consider quarterbacks. And it looks like there's probably going to be four quarterbacks taken in maybe the first 15 picks. So it's going to be a strong quarterback draft. And if you're sitting there in the top five and you really, really like a quarterback and you have to consider it, don't you want to get all the information? Like, don't you want to at least see what you have in the guy that you took in the second round the year before? Um, so really, I don't think there's really any, any justification for not benching him in favor of J- Jalen Hurst, even just for the sole purpose of getting a look at him, and, and seeing what you have there. Jimmy, you, you know who I wouldn't bench? Is Kristen Roach from Roach Realtors. (laughs) Me neither. Uh, I don't have a jingle today. My apologies again. But yes, Kristen Roach, if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, by all means, call Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. She's the best. Brandon?
1: Back after this. Back here on BGN radio episode 158, 158. I don't know that you really need to know the number. Is that really of any importance to the listener? I,
2: <laughs> not, I have no not. idea,
1: but uh, probably not. We'd say it anyway. And yeah. it's not even like it's like a radio show. Like, you know, we're back after the break and like people are listening to the You know, it's a podcast. Anyway, as we break through the fourth wall there, Jimmy, my question to you is what do we want to see from the rest of this season? Because unfortunately, the Eagles still have five games left to play. Very thankfully, no more night games. That's a huge win, I think, for everyone. Don't to stay up late to watch this team. Although, unfortunately, everyone except week seventeen, I believe, is a four start. So, I don't love that personally. Get them at one. Do them all at one. Let's get them over with. Normally, uh, when we-
2: the normally like when the team is good, I love the four o'clock start because you get like the really? one o'clock games and they're like the appetizer, and then okay. the four o'clock game is like then that's the main event. I mean, I've always hated. The primetime games because I don't get home until like two in the morning, so like that's just selfishly speaking. But I like the four o'clock game. But this season, we'll, yeah, you know, when the season's going badly and you just want to like
1: get get out of here, bad season, like get it over with at one o'clock. So, what do you want to see from the rest of this season? Like, yeah, what are so, things they can do now? Like, because obviously, you know, we'll talk. There's like everyone wants to talk about who should they hire next and blah blah blah. And like we can, you know, we'll we can touch on those things. We'll but, get like, all that. Yeah. There's plenty of time to get to all of that. Like, there's still five games left. What do we want to see here? So, for the rest of the season, I think you got to look at, you got to get a look
2: at a lot of your younger players. We already noted um, Jalen Hurts and Jack Driscoll. But in addition to those guys, oh, we also noted Travis Fulgham, too. You know, him <laughs> standing on the sideline instead of uh, Alshon Jeffrey taking away snaps. I noted Quez Watkins already. Let that guy at least be active uh, instead of Alshon Jeffrey. And then, addition, in addition to those guys, you know, I think I think there's an argument to see a little more Kayvon on Wallace, uh, yep. whether that means just playing him, you know, just benching Jalen Mills in favor of him or him just taking away some of Mills' snaps or getting him on the field as the third safety more. Whatever it takes. Get that guy on the field more. Get him some experience because who cares? Like if he's bad, so what? Let him get some let him get some experience under his belt. Same thing goes for Michael Jaquette, I think. Uh, I mean, we can clearly see that Avante Maddox is not uh, an outside corner. I mean, if if the plan for him is to be an outside corner again next year, then the, it's broken. I'm not saying bench Avante Maddox. You maybe move him inside, and uh, you bench Nikhil Roby Coleman because he's not going to be with the team next year. But mm-hmm. I think it's worth at least getting a look at Chakad. He played decent against uh, the one game that he played against the Cowboys. Was it the Cowboys? Yes, the Cowboys. Right. So the uh, he played well in that game, albeit against a bad Cowboys offense that was led by the Nooch. Uh, I think I think it would make sense to see a little bit of Sean Bradley. Now, I'm not, like Alex Singleton has shown that he deserves to be like the three down linebacker for the rest of the year, and I think that TJ Edwards is getting an appropriate number of snaps, and he's young too, so he may as well keep him on the field. But I don't see the point in continuing to roll uh, Duke Riley out there. Like at least let Sean Bradley take his snaps, and I say Sean Bradley as opposed to Davion Taylor because. You don't want to – I mean, you don't want to just, want to just become completely <laughs> like uncompetitive. Davion Taylor is really bad against the Browns. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, giving Bradley a shot instead of Taylor at least kind of keeps your defense uh, from falling apart <laughs> completely maybe. And then the other guy on a very minor level uh, would be running back Jason Huntley because at this point, like, what you know, what, what is Corey Clement giving you at all? other than just being a special teamer, like nothing in my opinion. So you may as well get Jason Huntley in there if for no other reason than to let him return kicks. So I let him do that and uh, and I take Boston Scott off of those duties as he has been totally ineffective on kick returns.
1: Yeah, I mean, Huntley showed a little bit of juice when he's played this year. I mean, he has very few touches, but like I saw like a little something there. I'd like to see more. Yeah. I feel like the Eagles are just going to promote Jordan Howard to the roster. They protected him, they used one of their practice squad protections on him this week. Um, I'm guessing they're going to activate him for this Packers game since he had success against them last year. Why not go back to the well, That's baby? Right. right. No new ideas. <laughs> and then uh, I would add Genard Avery in there, even though, you know, I crap on him all the time, or at least right. I, it's the less so him as much That's as a trade. Yeah, but uh, I, like, cause of Vinny Curry, like Vinny Curry's thirty-two years old. Like, we really need to see him a ton, right? Like, I mean, even if you you can still play him too, but like maybe cut down some of the snaps and give Avery more than zero, which he's gotten the past two games. Like, you know, like those kind of things are really frustrating. This team's not being honest with themselves. I know they're you know in theory and com- competition for the NFC East here, but I mean, come on, they're they're not. Would you would you give up? Would you uh call for Doug to give up play calling? See, I really don't want to see that happen before the quarterback has changed. I think it needs. I think it needs to be in that order. I think it needs to be in the order of quarterback bench because don't you want to see? Right, even playing like, field. Yeah, yeah. Don't you want to see like, oh, wait, all all of a sudden the offense looks like maybe a little bit less of a disaster. I'm not guaranteeing that's going to happen, but like, don't you want to see if that's possible at least, if that could happen, and then you would be like, oh, wait. Maybe it's really not the coaching as much as we thought it was and the quarterback really is kind of making a big difference. That's kind of, you know, a theory there. I'm not again, I'm not saying I know that for sure, but I would want to test that out as opposed to you make him give up the play calling and uh and then like and then you also change the quarterback. Like I don't want to see that because then you're changing too many variables and right. you're not knowing, you know, like what exactly caused it. What about you? I mean, we should we should probably mention that I think it's significant that Doug said basically the first time ever That it's on the table. I was was surprised that he said that because
2: that like that's
1: like his favorite thing to do as a
2: coach is call plays. And uh, when he said that, I was like, wow, okay." But but then he also said, "Uh, I'm also not giving it up. (laughs) So he he said like, yeah, maybe. But he also said, no, not yet. So uh, whether he actually has any intention of letting somebody else call plays or not is maybe another story. But uh, it was interesting that he said that you would at least consider it. But uh, I'm I'm with you. I I hadn't, like, considered that angle. But I think that makes sense where you want to kind of keep – you want to sort of have, like, the control – with the, when you do science experiments, is that what they call it? The control sample, whatever. Yep. Um, yep. So yeah, uh, you want to see Hertz and Wentz uh, under the same play caller. I think that makes sense. Yes.
1: Yeah, this is a big science podcast here. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Howie Roseman has been fired as soon as possible, I would add to this list. Because as you've mentioned before, even like like he can do damage by still being here through the rest of the season. <sighs> Jimmy, you wrote an article, you know, in Philly Voice, it was well done, about like blowing things up. And I, I just, I... I mean, I've been, this is not a surprising take coming for me. I've been on the Howie is a, a bigger problem than people realize train for a while. And I just can't imagine him being back, especially if Doug is gone and he is back. I mean, that's just crazy to me based on something good friend uh, Tim McManus had to say on mm-hmm. 97.5 The Fanatic uh, on Wednesday. I have it pulled up here. I can read it. It says, uh, the way
2: yeah. I view it. Uh, And to be clear, this is 97.5 The Fanatic tweeting this, not McManus. I've been misquoted by 97.5 The Fanatic. So (laughs) it's somewhat grain of salt here. But it says, the way I view it, there is not a lot of space between Howie and Lurie. It is set up that they are side by side. And unless I am reading it wrong, I don't think it would happen. And
1: that's McManus on the possibility of Howie being Uh. fired. The key point you made in your article is that you can't trust Howie to be the guy to see this through at this point because he is incentivized to make short-term moves or at least, you know, he needs to turn things around in the short term. And that doesn't really fit with what the Eagles need to do at this point. And that's kind of a hard reset and get this thing going for the long-term and really bringing someone in who has a vision and Lurie can actually give uh, patience to commitment and being like, hey, I'm going to give you time to get this thing right. You're not on the, you're not, there's no like, mandate to win right now because we can't do that we need to tear this down we need to build it up the right way and uh I just worry and and I don't know um you know with McMahon is saying it it's important to know that you know when T-Max says stuff it's important to listen because you know plugged in guy but I guess too maybe I'm over reading it but seeing Howie and Lurie stand next to each other before the Seattle game you know like chumming it up before the game like I was like, man, like what if they do this? What if they really keep – I just – how can you keep Howie Roseman, Jimmy? We talked about the terrible free agent signings at the top of the show. You look at the draft. You look at this game. This most recent game I think was such a huge indictment of Howie Roseman. You have DK Metcalf, who he passed on, going off against the guy that we talked about how it was kind of dumb, but all these resources and then by both trading picks and then giving him the top – uh, most lucrative quarterback contract there is in Darius Slay. Not that he's a bad player. That wasn't the point. Yeah. But you're investing these resources into an older player who isn't even totally transforming your pass defense and isn't certainly isn't going to be this long-term building block. Like this season you're getting from Darius Slay, when he's 29, he'll be 30 soon. It's probably his best season that he's going to have for the Eagles. He's yes. probably only going to get worse than this and maybe not super worse right away, but it could. Quarterbacks drop off. So – it's just like I don't know how Lurie could possibly keep him around anymore. Like, what is the justification for it?
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, um, I mean, like you said that I said <laughs> that uh, uh, you know you can't trust him to to not uh, operate, to not manage the team in a short term way, and you you also can't you also can't give him like years to fix it either because he's had yeah. three straight bad years. So you can't just say, okay, well, you get two or three more years. Like, cause you have to make that decision, in my opinion, like you have to, whoever's going to be the general manager in 2021 and beyond, they have to have time to fix the roster. Like it, it can't just be like, fix it now or you're gone because what is really required here is kind of like a full teardown of, of what they have because you look at like the Super Bowl roster and like the holdovers from that group is still co- sort of the core of the team. But all those guys are older. They're certainly not as good as they were then. Like Most of those guys are in either decline or sharp decline or gone. So like continuing to sort of build around that group that won in 2017 just is clearly not the answer anymore. So you can't have him – you can't have a guy on the hot seat, and we're both assuming that he's on the hot seat. Like everyone's calling – like everyone's saying – it's a big question in everyone's mind whether he's going to be on the team or not. But that may not be the case. Maybe inside the building, like maybe they already know that he's like definitely going to be with the team still. I don't know. But like in our perception, he's on the hot seat. So like if you if the if Howie Roseman perceives that he's on the hot seat, he's gonna sort of manage the team in a way that's going to get the team the most number of wins specifically in twenty twenty one, which does not line up with what is best in the long term interest of the franchise.
1: Jimmy, we did stay or go with Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson, and Carson Wentz last week. And I put up polls on Bleeding Green Nation to go with this so the listeners could get involved here. I'll start with Carson Wentz. He got a sixty six percent stay. And part okay. of that is because he kinda has to <laughs> this contract right, right, for right. the most part.
2: It's not it's right, it's not a sixty six percent approval rating is what you mean.
1: Yes. Because I did bench and 76 percent said bench. So okay. so a lot of people right, want to right. see bench. Right. Doug Peterson was 50-50. And okay. if I look at the exact breakdown of votes, it's actually slightly a little bit more in favor and stay of go. Harry Roseman, Jimmy, sixteen percent stay. Mm. So did you write
2: far. your opinion in the article too?
1: A little bit, yeah. So okay. that could influence it, but
2: <laughs> yeah. But that's but okay. Still, like, I mean, right. Nevertheless, sixteen percent is uh <laughs> it's, it's, it's obviously very low. And I, I just, wonder what I, just, the, I wonder what like, I wonder what the fans who like the sixteen percent I like wonder what, because to me it's pretty clear like that they should move on. And I like how he personally like he's always been nice to me and whatever blah 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 blah. Nothing that matters or anything like that. But so like for me to say he should go, I don't know. Like I feel bad a little bit. Like I don't like seeing. I don't like saying. So and so should lose their job in really any field, unless it's like Josh Anis or something like that. But like, but like, uh, um, <laughs> but uh, I wonder what the justification for those 16% that, that think you should stay. Like, what is what is if you like? If I'm asking you, make an argument for him, What is yeah?
1: It? What, what's that's the what was that's what I was trying to do. That's what I tried to do. I said, what is the reason? I mean, I get it's like the Super Bowl. You know, he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but like. The way they won that wasn't like this super sustainable thing. It's not like you can just count on him to hit on every free agent to signing, like every off season. And the franchise quarterback who he drafted, like isn't looking anything like that guy, you know, who, who he was back in 2017. Like I, I I struggle. I really struggle to see it. I think I've been fair when it comes to Rose, and I really do. I think I've looked at this objectively. Like I, I can't find it. I can't find the things that like really stand out. That are good and make sense. I think everything's been really bad. Like I can't. What is there to point to? I don't know. I'm. I can't think of anything. The other I point to be made. Too I do like they, they they can't
2: sign free agents next year. Like it's it's almost going to be impossible because they have to just bargain they're, bin they're, guys. They're going to cut a, they're gonna have to cut a lot of guys. They're going to have to. They're going to have to restructure some contracts just to get under the cap. Like they have to. There's no way around it. They're going to have to kick the can down down the road even further than what they've done. <sighs> they have to just to get under the cap. Like I know whether that's yeah. Wentz. Or Brandon Graham or whoever they're gonna to have to figure out like they're gonna to have to pick like the least of the evils and restructure those guys and they're gonna be on the they're gonna be on the, the cap for a long time going forward so like they can't sign free agents the way that they're gonna to have to build the roster like going forward
1: is through the draft and there's
2: like little question that that's also like his biggest weakness
1: uh, yeah how could it... DK Metcalf over JJ Arthur Whiteside. Justin Jefferson, over like what are we doing? Like, like what more evidence do you need to see? This is not the guy. My my guess, and I could be wrong, but my guess is of how he stays. It's some BS half measure that this organization loves to take, where yes. it's like he's around in some capacity, but he's not, you know, fully in charge of the personnel. Like maybe they kind of make it like a Joe Douglas thing again, where it's like how he can stay, but he has to hire a top-notch personnel guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it'll basically be. or you know what they might do they might do like the offensive coordinator or their the lack thereof this year but for the front office we're like we're going to bring in scott pioli and this other guy like all these other like former gms and create like this collaboration (laughs) yeah yeah like we'll create this like collaboration which will totally fix everything like it has for the offense so uh, it's just so I, I just I, I think honestly, Jimmy, I don't really know what the point is of caring about this team if Howie Rosen is back, especially if Doug Peterson is gone. like if if that's their takeaway that Doug is the whole problem with everything and the front office is fine, like why should I as a fan even invest my time in this team? Like that's such a joke, that's so pathetic. That's a total waste of time. And I think more and more, I think people are catching on to this front office thing because I think that really hasn't been the conversation enough for a while now. But with the team being as bad as it is, and then you have like, this is a this is a key moment I think when you have Lewis Riddick and uh, the ESPN broadcast like ripping Howie Roseman on national television. That's like you know there's a lot of fans out there who I think you know might not be the diehards and aren't as clued right. in and like and they hear that and they start to think like yeah they're right
2: Howie Roseman does deserve of that. Did a lot you listen to all that yet? I haven't. No, me neither. But I saw like during the game, they're like, wow. The, the Like a lot of people didn't even know who he was. They're just like, wow, these announcers are just ripping the crap out of Howie. <laughs> like, you know, you know, like but Lewis, Lewis Riddick, I don't know if uh, the listeners know or whatever, but he famously has beef with uh, Howie Roseman. Maybe not famously, but like um, it's, oh, it's, it's, well, it's, it's well known that documented. Yes. That he is beef with Howie. They, he worked under Howie for, I think like six years. Um, in the earlier part of the decade and the late part of the last decade, um, but yeah, so like he took that opportunity uh, on national television. I didn't think he was going to do that. Like some friends of mine brought that up that um, you know, oh, Lewis Riddick's calling this game. Uh, you know, like what's the over under on how many times he takes shots at uh, at Howie Roseman. And they said like 3.5. And I'm thinking he's not going to like just, he's not going to take shots at Howie for his own personal vendetta. And he sure did. <laughs> like it seemed like he took more than 3.5 shots at him. So uh, it's an interesting, it, but it is interesting that somebody actually did that on a nationally televised game because like locally, we're all in tune with, you know, his roster moves and how the franchise has regressed from 2017 steadily in 2018, 2019. This this season's been a disaster, obviously. But nationally, I think the perception is that Howie Roseman has done a really great job uh, over the last half decade or so. And it's certainly true of 2016 and 2017. But for as good as he was those two years, he's been equally bad since then.
1: Absolutely. So, Jimmy, before we get into our final segment of BGN Radio, episode 158, again, something people care about a lot. Uh, another thing that people should care about, felon right Craft Jerky, which is your best meat snack or just best snack option, period, I would say. You can get some for yourself by going to RighteousFellon.com using discount code BGN15. It helps support BGN Radio. It helps support a local business. They're based in Westchester, PA. They are Eagles fans to some extent there. The Eagles themselves use this product. And I am probably confident in saying, Jimmy, that they haven't had enough this year. If they eat more righteous <laughs> I was gonna say, feet, like, that's not like a good selling point now. Well, I mean, they haven't had enough, <laughs> clearly. If they ate more, they would <laughs> okay. probably be that's undefeated. Fair. And Don't according to a source, too? you know, they haven't, well, I think, ordered as much, maybe, as some other teams. So I you know, they gotta get on it. So you can do that yourself and be winners. By going to righteoushall.com. Once again, I'm using discount code BGN15 and uh, help support a good cause. BGN Radio, a good cause. The human fund, That's as right. uh, George Costanza might say.
2: Uh, Jimmy. Or uh, in Arrested Development, they had a charity event for like TBA to be announced. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back after this.
1: Back here for a final segment on BGN Radio. Doesn't even matter the episode. I'm not going to read it. Jimmy. Let's get into our NFC East picks against the spread. Dun, 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 dun,
2: dun, dun. <laughs> All right. We're both losers so far. Not again. Nobody cares, but you're 16 and 19, I am. Yep. 17 and 18 in picks against
0: the spread so we, in the end.
1: We know what we're talking about here. Yes. <laughs> Although Eagles straight up records I'm seven four. You are six four and one. So we're sort of both above five hundred on those. I was zero and three at one point. So I did climb out of a hole once I realized they were bad. I just picked against them a lot. That helps. Yes. Um, gonna be doing that the rest of the season. <laughs> yes, <laughs> probably for every game. Uh, Giants at Seahawks, Jimmy. First of first all, first before, place, before
2: we go off, before we go through all these games, every game, uh, the NFC East is they're they're, they're heavy underdogs. In yes. every single game. So th- we're going to be back to maybe uh, an
1: 0-4 week for the NFC East. So go ahead. Sorry. Very possible. Uh, the New York football Giants at the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are favored by 10. I think I saw this could be as much as 11 if Daniel Jones is ruled out. It doesn't yeah. It's not known for sure if he'll play or not. But I'm going to guess he's not going to be available. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh it could be Colt McCoy. Who do you have in that one? I'll take the points on that. Okay. I'll take 10 points. I mean, Giants are playing a little better now.
2: Seahawks weren't. Super impressive. Really, haven't been impressive all year. It's a pretty big spread for uh for a team. I mean, I guess they're what are they? Are they eight and three? Yeah. By the way, on that uh, on my or on my aforementioned radio hit with the Green Bay people, they were like, well, so what do you what do you have for this game? I'm like, what are the Packers, what's the Packers record? What are they? Are they eight and three? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, they're gonna be nine and three. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the Seahawks are gonna be nine and three as well. Uh, but I, I, I will absolutely take the 10 points.
1: I'll take the points. It's a short week for Seattle, too, as they travel back That's west. True. And yep. uh, Giants have played competitive, and the Seahawks... They, games their games get weird sometimes. Things like don't always it's not always just easy for them. They don't just roll over teams all the time. Like they find a way to like play down to their level of competition sometimes before they pull it out in the end. So yeah, ten points is a lot. Quarterback too, by the way, a competent
2: backup. Like Colt McCoy isn't good. Obviously, you don't want him playing for you, but I think he's at
1: least a competent quarter. They're not rolling out the nooch or anything like that. So we both have plus ten on that one, and then Washington football team. Uh, they are at the Steelers who are actually playing right now as we're recording this. I'm looking over to my TV screen and trying to see. It's Okay, so it's 19 to 7. The Steelers are up on this Ravens team that's been decimated by COVID-19. Uh, Washington, Washington. you were
2: looking over there before. Okay.
1: Yeah. So now you know. <laughs> Washington, 8-point underdogs against Pittsburgh who are playing as we speak.
2: That's a tougher line. Um, I fear for Alex Smith in this game. I don't think the football team has much of a chance of blocking this uh, Steelers pass rush. And I do think that I will, you know, actually Washington is, uh, their their point differential is only minus two. Yep. So they're getting close to being uh, (laughs) an average team, which I believe they are not. I think the Steelers are going to uh, do whatever they want uh, to this Washington football team. Uh, they have a good offensive line, so they'll be able to offset the one thing that Washington has— go- not the one thing that they have going for them, but the best thing that they have going for them. Uh, so I'll take—I'll take Pittsburgh, and I'll lay this—I'll lay the eight.
1: So you have the Steelers getting to twelve and zero. I do, yes. Well, oh, okay, I'm going to take if
2: they, if they indeed hold on to this lead against the Ravens.
1: I'm going to actually take the points here because they when, haven't. When, when really...
2: is this game, by the way?
1: Week twelve, still.
2: No, no, I no, the Washington Pittsburgh. Oh, I think next
1: Monday. It's like Monday. It's not Monday night. It's like Monday <laughs> afternoon. All
2: right. Well, that's a short turnaround.
1: Too late. You took him. All right. So I'm going to. I'm take still taking him. I'm, I'm
2: still taking him. I'll still take
1: Steelers. <laughs> I'm going to take the football team plus eight. Uh, I've been saying it here for multiple weeks now. They have a formula, Jimmy. It's not the best formula in the world, but it's a formula where they're starting to come on a little bit too. I mean, Alex Smith just has to be competent. Uh, Antonio Gibson's really coming on here. I like what he's been doing. Yep. Now Steelers can stop the run, so maybe they'll neutralize that. But the Washington defense, as we've said for a while now, it's a legitimately good defense. It's a, it's a legit unit. Yes. And I think that gives them a chance to make this kind of a low-scoring game or you know, a game that they can kind of be within reach of. So eight uh, is a lot of points. And the Steelers haven't always been pretty this year. They can be a little ugly sometimes, so I will take the eight there. And I do think Washington football team, for the sake of Eagles podcast here, I do think they're going to win the NFC East, even though they're on the easiest schedule. You know we talked about last week. I you thought it. how Dallas was going to win, but yeah, I think I think it's the football team's division, and that would be so perfect for twenty twenty. A, a team named a team named football team <laughs> right. wins the NFC. East.
2: <laughs> I love, by the way. The, I don't know if you saw like the report of like the four names that they're kind of choosing from, and not. two of the options are well. There's Red Wolves, Red. That's a good one. Hawks. I think no. Uh, what's the one with the uh, the the airmen? To, uh, yeah i forget what was that that might have been red hawks um i don't remember but i thought that then, was red wolves actually okay that, that could be yeah and, the and then the other two are they just keep football team and then and the fourth one would be hilarious uh football club <laughs> be funny no they, what is it soccer <laughs> what are we talking about well it'd be funny if they changed their name from football team to football club you know like <laughs> what's the point of that <laughs> but uh, anyway uh cowboys uh, or ravens ravens are minus nine what do you got?
1: Yeah. And that's that line isn't actually, and yet the line is assuming you know Lamar Jackson and a lot of these guys from COVID are right. back, um, right. which I'm we don't know. When I'm, that game I think is going to be on. Oh, who uh, Tuesday. Who's starting against the Steelers, a quarterback, uh, Alex Smith. No, 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 are no, talking, no. Right stadium, now, the, like the game team? that's on right now, yeah. But RG three started, but I okay. think I saw Trace McSorley in just now, and <laughs> now it's nineteen to fourteen. So yeah. all right. I really don't like the Ravens this year. Their offense has been not very good. Lamar Jackson not playing well, especially recently. And that was, you know, before testing positive for COVID. Yeah, um, But they are fighting here against the Steelers. And uh, Dallas, I don't trust them. The defense still stinks, even though they had a little good stretch there. Um, nine points is a lot. But that Ravens defense is good. I'm going to take the Ravens.
2: I'm going to take the Cowboys to cover that one. I'm going to regret that one when, when Lamar Jackson does whatever he wants to that
1: awful defense. That's a terrible pick. <laughs> what am I doing? I'll the stick with Philadelphia that. football Eagles, Jimmy, are nine point underdogs at Green Bay, where they won last year. They went into Green Bay and they That's beat right. Aaron Rodgers. It was an incredibly impressive win. I remember seeing a stat. I, I forget what it was now, but it was like basically no team had gone into Green Bay and been down by like 14 points or whatever the Eagles were and had won. Like to do that was like impossible. And the Eagles pulled it off last year. It was really incredible that they won that game. And uh, they did some things last year that I don't think are super sustainable heading into this year's game. Like, they had a big forced fumble. Um, Derek Barnett on Rodgers, really nice move, where they re- they recovered that, and that set him up for a short field. Uh, they had a big special teams return from Miles Sanders that set him up for another yep. short field touchdown. Um, Carson Wentz, but like, he made, like, 170 yards in that game. Like, he barely did... He didn't even have to do much in that game. And it was really their, their rushing attack with both Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard, who, again, said they protected from the practice squad. And I could totally see them promoting them for him for this game. So I actually think – and when we did – I did that post-week or that post-bi-week prediction I do every year for the rest of the season, which, by the way, had them going, what, like seven – had them getting seven wins. Not mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought, like, from this really tough stretch – Meaning like Seahawks, Packers, Saints, and Cardinals. I thought this Packers game is actually the most winnable. Just as I look back, I look back at last year how they were able to run the ball. This Packers run defense still isn't good. They're like 25th in opponent yards per rushing attempt. Um, so they still can't really stop the run. But I mean, with that said, I mean Rodgers is amazing. Still, he's having he's having one of his best season in years. He leads the NFL in passer rating. Uh, he could be the MVP. It's between him and Mahomes. So uh, who do you have in this one? Yeah, I think, what is he, thirty thirty three 33 touchdowns, four picks. Yeah. And like, you
2: look at like his, his career, like if you looked at his career stats recently, like just look at, I, the, I think like the last 10 years, he hasn't thrown 10 picks in a season. Like there are, it's a single digit, <laughs> like all the way down the board, which is crazy. Um, but obviously he's, uh, you know, one of the best football players on the planet, which is a nice advantage for them. Going back to that game from last year, um, that was also a brutal game. You had that Derek Barnett cheap shot on uh, Jamal Williams, and then you had uh, Andrew Sandeo almost, almost ending Vontae Maddox's life. <laughs> like I mean, life, yeah. Maddox, Maddox laying on the field for like 15 minutes um, after that. I don't know if it was that long, but it was, he was on the field for a long time. Um, and he wanted to come back into the game. Yeah, it's crazy as we saw on uh, All or Nothing. He was lobbying to stay on, to stay in the game after that hit. Uh, But yeah, so it was, it was a very impressive win. like, you know, we've gone down the list of, uh, you know, the bad quarterbacks that the Eagles have beaten over the last uh, two years, but this game was certainly the exception uh, in the, in the last two years of a legitimate opponent that they've beaten a legitimate, you know, star quarterback, but they ain't got it this year. Not going to happen. As I said, the Packers are going to be nine and three after this game is over. And uh, I think this is one that's not going to be particularly close. So like the Eagles have not looked good. Um, obviously, the last two weeks, but the scores would not indicate that. Like, what was the Browns score again? What did they what, are they, what are they lose by on that? It was like twenty two to seventeen, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So it was a one it was a one score game ultimately on the scoreboard when the game was over, but it wasn't that close. And then uh, the Seahawks only won by six, so uh, that game obviously the final score of that game obviously did not match what happened on the field. I think the score finally matches what happens on the field here, and the Packers beat them by three scores, I'm going to say. and Wow. It's an ugly, ugly road loss between – I mean, it's just – you look at the two teams here. One of them has a whole lot to play for, and the other one does not. So uh, you look at the Packers, they're only one game behind uh, the New Orleans Saints. For the potential one seed in the uh, NFC, I think the Packers pretty much have the NFC North wrapped up. So they don't have to worry about like, you know, the Packers or Vikings or anything like that at this point. But uh, certainly that one seed, especially uh, going forward now where there's only one team that gets a first round by that's big. And I don't think this is a game that they're going to be looking that they're going to be
1: overlooking the Eagles uh, for that reason. And then also because the Eagles beat them last year. Yeah, I think they lose for sure. I mean, how could you possibly pick the Seagulls team to win at this point? Like, what are you looking at? What do you feel good about? What is there Nothing. to really. The best thing I can come up with is the defense. Has the defense looks solid. okay. Yeah. It's, it's been a solid. That's um, you know, The only way they can win is if they, like, the defensive line makes a couple huge plays, gets
2: turnovers or something like that. They only have three. I they, think they only have three interceptions this year, which is yeah. wild. And none by the corners.
1: Yep. So maybe they do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Darius Slay, I think, like, I think if you're looking at the model to win, it's basically trying to do what they did last year in terms of running the ball, like really just committing to the run and running the crap out of the right, ball. Right. Um, which I think is possible. I think that's like a possible avenue they can try. I don't think it's going to, it's, you can't rely on that to get you a win in my book. Like I'm not looking at that and being like, Oh, uh, that's definitely good enough. Um, and also like maybe Darius Slay, you know, it was kind of more of an answer <laughs> for, for, Devontae Adams, who certainly went off against them, he had like 10 for, I think, a seven or 180. It's like 10 for 180, and he didn't even play in the last 10 minutes of the game last year. He yeah. got hurt, and that was a big reason why they won, because he got knocked out of the game. Um, but they still have MVS uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who was averaging over 20 yards per reception, so he's still a big play threat for them. Uh, Robert Tunyon, the tight end there. Um, He's been productive for them. So they still have guys who, like, even if you take Devontae Adams out of the game, which is very much more easily easy said than done. Right, they're not going to take him out of the game. I mean, they have, yeah, they're
2: they more they're better equipped to handle him this year than they were a year ago, but you're not going to take him out.
1: And they also have Aaron Jones going for them. Who yes. Is a, and Schwartz even pointed out into this press conference today, kind of like an underrated, under-talked-about thing they have going for them, you know, with Rodgers and the passing attack, Devontae Adams. But Aaron Jones also – very good player. Line very good too. Yeah, so I just I think there's too much here for the Packers to win this game. But I did see something in this matchup before that made me think maybe the Eagles can win it. And obviously, I don't think that anymore. But maybe maybe they can find a way to even get another garbage time cover here, and uh, I'll take them to cover the nine points. Do I feel great about it. No, but I'm also putting a reverse jinx on the team, or or just a straight up jinx on the team. I guess I should say. Because uh, I don't want them to win, Jimmy. I want them to lose. I really do want them to lose and get this draft pick. Like, like people keep saying, like, oh, it doesn't matter. We're gonna mess up the draft pick. Well, it's like I, whatever. I still want to get the high draft pick. Like, winning doesn't accomplish anything, and it hopefully makes Jeffrey Lurie realize that you know things need to change with this team, and not just the coaching staff, but the front office too. You know, and if you get picked number three, and maybe you do get a quarterback, and maybe that changes the, this team's outlook. A, a quarterback on a rookie deal. A really good one, you know, could be a big deal, although you're kind of locked at the Carson Wentz's and that kind of ruins things. But if you could kind of get rid of Carson Wentz now, this is all just I'm kind of just you know pie in the even sky if over you don't here. A quarterback, you like you wind up
2: with like a Jamar Chase, you know, or like uh Sewell, the uh, the left tackle at Oregon, like who people think is like the best offensive line prospect in a decade. So, I mean, there are even quarterback aside, like there are some really like star players that that you know would help this team specifically
1: yeah and that's to that point they're going to get if they get pick number three that guarantees their choice of the top either the third quarterback right or the top non-quarterback in the class yeah, we because we all know the Jets are taking quarterbacks yeah they're taking quarterbacks so you're going to get the top pick of you know the non-quarterback so that's a big deal to me I would like that you know what, or maybe even better if like some team wants to get up there and get that
2: third quarterback, maybe yeah. you get just like a killing of a, of a return yep. in like a, uh, in a trade.
0: Yeah. So it, it so... doesn't matter. Like
2: all these losses that they pile up are, are all good, are all good for the team. Once once you like, so now like the, the immediate, like, you know, you, I understand Eagles fans don't want to watch a game and actively root for their own team to lose. And That's you know, for, for now it's fine. Like, I get it. But when you get around to like April, the difference between picking three or four or five, even, and like like 8 9 or 10 is pretty big deal like i remember when they were picking like 13 before they traded all the way up to 2 they traded from yep. 13 to 8 like the window like the the opportunities that were available even at 8 as opposed to 13 were just like it was really a big deal like who would be available there as opposed to 5 picks later so i mean like the difference between like i said between 3 4 5 whatever is pretty uh is pretty substantial there and like 8 9 10 for example and certainly yep. uh 19 if they were to win the division.
1: Yeah, and I think the way you, you approach it as someone who has gone through this with the Sixers is like like, you know, I'm rooting for them to win in the game and it's okay to do that, but you can be happy with the loss. Like it's fine, I think it's fine <laughs> to do that, right. you know. You can acknowledge that losing is the best thing for the team, but you kind of want to see them to do well in those 60 minutes, but then after the game you're like, okay, we lost, that's probably the best result. Anything else here Jimmy?
2: I am sad. Um this will actually be the first game since twenty, since since twenty fifteen, that I wow. won't be at. I won't be at. I won't be at this game. I'm not traveling out to uh, to Wisconsin to take in this game. My company was basically like, "Yeah, you're not going." So like, if there was a spike in COVID after uh, Halloween, they saw that and they were like, "Well, the spikes mm-hmm. will be even worse uh, after Thanksgiving." So I'm thankful that my company uh, cares about my health and well being. Uh, and it probably is the right thing to not go to this game. And this actually is like one of the worst games to go to, by the way. Like not that anyone cares about any of this, but uh, it's hard to get Logistically.
1: to.
2: You usually got to fly to like Milwaukee, and you're lucky if you can get a direct flight there. Usually you can't. You're getting some kind of layover. And then it's like a two-hour drive from uh, Milwaukee to Green Bay. So it's very – and like the first time you go, it's cool just to see Lambeau Field. But once you like once you've already seen it, once like i don't know like the bluster's gone after. so yeah no big deal anymore like i've been there three or four times already so uh uh and i don't know being there in december no less is uh you know not not all that fun in terms of uh
1: the coldness all right well this has been BGN radio episode 158 jimmy is frozen uh michael kiss is gonna have to edit this that'll be cool uh thank you for listening as always as always again check out write to spell and craft jerky by going to write to you can discount code bgn15 getting yourself 15 percent off snacks we will talk to you next time B G N.
2: more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals